Stop me if you've heard this before. The Alabama Crimson Tide are your national champions. It's happened a lot, and in fairly typical fashion, it happened again this year. But apart from that, and apart from the college football playoff featuring the familiar faces of Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State, the most recent college football season was far from typical. But then again, so are most things now. I'm Charlie Bevins, your host of the Radio DePaul Sports Podcast. In our first episode of the new year, I want to look back at last year. As I said at the top, we were witnesses to a very unique college football season. Ohio State got into the playoff by only playing six games, all of which they won, I should add. A wide receiver won the Heisman Trophy and Devontae Smith. But most notably, we saw over 100 games get either delayed or postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. We had conferences start on time, some start late, some not start at all, and some start after saying they weren't going to start at all. Non-conference games were a rarity if they happened at all, and by September 14th, we had 151 players opt out of the season. Still, college football clawed its way to the end of the season, and we had a playoff and a national champion. To reflect on this season, I tapped Adam Rittenberg, who covers the national college football scene for ESPN. And the best place to start is by looking at the timeline of decisions that conferences made and how they would approach the season. In August, the SEC laid out plans for a 10-game conference-only schedule, while the ACC played 10 conference games and one non-conference. But the biggest news then was that the Pac-12 and Big Ten weren't going to play. No one had ever really dealt with anything like this before, so it was a very um, difficult period and a lot of uncertainty, I would say, through the spring and into the summer. I mean, we did a lot of stories about, you know, testing and... um, you know, just the, the, you know, what, what the plan was going to be when, when, when football players came back on campus and then they did around, you know, most of them in June or early July. And then you know, how is that going to impact the preseason? Because really no one had done anything in the spring. Um, and then, you know, really um, as cases started to go up uh, I think after 4th of July, there was some real concern about whether there'd be a season or whether there could be a season that started on time. And, you know, at the same time, you're getting announcements about schedules and, and so forth. And, and obviously in August was the, was the big month, um, you know, because you had both the big 10, well, you had the big 10, the first, the Mac, and then the mountain West, and then the big 10 and Pac 12, basically on the same day, uh, you know, canceled or postponed the fall season, however you want to describe it. Once the Pac 12 and big 10 decided they weren't going to play the season hung in the balance. If three of the power five conferences in college football canceled their season, our fall Saturdays were probably going to look a lot different. All eyes turned toward the Big 12. You know, I think the feeling then was, you know, if one more power league decides to postpone, there won't be a season. And, you know, a lot of questions, a lot of the focus went on to the Big 12 um, because we heard the Big 12 was kind of split as to what it wanted to do. And they ended up going forward with um, with actually they were the first power five league, I think, to play games um, in, in, in the fall, in the, you know, in September. So that was a wild period because, um, you had a lot of, uh, emotions and, 
you know, people were very upset, especially in the big 10 and parents and teams and coaches. And a lot of people that were very critical publicly of what was going on. Um, not so much in the PAC 12, but certainly here in the Midwest. We had a lot of different conferences making a lot of different scheduling decisions, and the efforts to get this season off the ground felt disjointed, to put it mildly. The SEC went through a 10-game conference-only schedule, while the Pac-12's eventual conference-only schedule allowed for only six games. Take into account the possibility of cancellations and postponements, and you have some odd-looking schedules. College football has long operated without a true governing body. Rather, they're run by fully autonomous conferences. I asked Adam about how this lack of centralized authority played into the early issues with conferences and scheduling. Definitely. And I mean, there, re- it re- there really is an oversight in the FBS. It's, it's, it's the conferences and whatever the conferences want to do. And it's really the power five the conferences that have the, the most weight in what they decide. Um, so I think absolutely it would have been helpful to have more centralized governance or just decision making and one of the things that happened even before the postponements was in july um the big 10 you know kind of went on its own and and decided to 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 go with a conference only schedule which again wasn't a surprise to those of us who had been reporting around it but i know that the decision surprised some of the other conferences and then sort of forced them into either conference only or conference only plus one, you know, really eliminated these non-conference games for a lot of leagues, at least at the power level. So that was, you know, your first sign that it wasn't going to be collective decision-making and collective communication. Um, And that's sort of the history of the sport though. Like I would tell people that were, you know, outraged that the big 10 went on its own. Like if you study the history of college football, it's regionalized, it's not centralized. And this, these types of decisions are, have been made throughout the sports history, just obviously not on this level where it's um, where it's impacting, uh, you know, more people, but it's very much a decentralized sport. It's very much a us and, you know, us in our league are going to do this and we don't care what you and you in your league do. And it's unfortunate because I think it would be better if there was just more collective thoughts and and how can we collectively do the right thing here as a sport. There's just not very much of that thinking. Nonetheless, the season got underway with the SEC, ACC, Big 12, and other small conferences playing amidst a pandemic. Though hiccups were common in the beginning, they got through the first month of play. So eventually, the Pac-12 and Big 10 got their wheels moving. And then, you know, they, and they started playing games and, uh, and it was, you know, I think September, the success in September of, uh, of games. And there were some that were canceled or postponed, but the fact that many games were played in September combined with some of the advances in testing, especially around um, like rapid testing, uh, increased confidence to, to come back. And there was also obviously pressure as well, like on the leagues that weren't playing to come back. And then you had this return to play basically in late September where the four leagues that decided that they weren't going to play um, ended up, uh, you know, deciding to play. And uh, obviously with a delayed start in either uh, late October, early November. Another oddity in this season is of course, the number of opt-outs that took place. The NCAA made it clear that programs had to allow players to opt out of the season for health concerns and that their scholarships would be honored if they opted out. Some chose not to play this season and just return next year while others just declared for the NFL draft. The impact of these opt-outs likely didn't change the ultimate outcome of this season. Alabama appeared head and shoulders better than everyone in the country, and a playoff of Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame was not something out of the norm. But it did have major impacts at other programs. You know, but I, I just think of a team like Penn State. I mean, they lost Micah Parsons, who is the best 
I think the best defensive player in the country to an opt out. And they had some other opt outs or other things that had happened before the season. And then they obviously start 0 and 5 for the first time in, in team history. So I, I don't know if it's necessarily like the middle class or the lower class. They certainly were hurt at, at times. I mean, UCF had 10 guys I know opt out before the season. They went six and four, didn't have a very good season. Um, so it really kind of depends on team to team uh, and, um, and certainly which players are opting out. But um, it was definitely a storyline that we followed, you know, all season, but certainly leading up to the season in the months of August and September. As we moved through the season, the best four teams in the country became more and more crystallized. And at the end of it, as I've mentioned a few times, the playoff committee decided the best four were Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. Every year, there will be controversy over the playoff selection. But this year, that controversy was at a much higher pitch, thanks to the committee's inclusion of Ohio State, who only played six games. Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney released his own top 25 rankings, and he had Ohio State all the way down at 11. On a conference call with reporters leading up to the playoff, Sweeney had this to say, It's not that they're not good enough. I just don't think it's right that three teams have to play 13 games to be the champion, and one team has to play eight. Sweeney's Clemson Tigers would, however, go on to lose to Ohio State 49-28. But the mind does wonder if we'd have a different playoff if we played a regular college football season. I asked Adam what his thoughts were. When it was all said and done, this season reached a predictable conclusion, with Alabama taking home their sixth national championship since 2009. Either way, college football played it off. They named a champion, they had a playoff, and they got through their season in the middle of a pandemic. That, says Adam, is a sign the year was successful. Well, I think the fact that they played, I mean, the fact that they played and uh, you know were able to get a a playoff system in and championship games in and um, certainly it was messy and there were postponements and a lot of things moved around. And um, I mean, fortunately, you know, knock on wood, it, I, I, I wasn't aware of any serious long-term um, issues with COVID. Uh, I mean, there were some players who had COVID who, who ended up not playing. There was a Clemson uh, defensive lineman, I believe, who, who sat out most of the season because he got COVID in the, you know, fairly early on and had some complications, but it didn't, you know, as far as deaths or, or anything that was horrible, um, whether it was coaches or players, I did not hear about anything that um, is still a major problem. So that was good. Uh, and I think that, you know, there was a, you know, most teams were pretty responsible about, about testing and trying to go about, um, uh, you know, just, a, just that, that, that process. So the fact that we were able to get through a season, I think is, a, is still a good thing. I mean, a lot of people thought it was wrong because they're not getting paid. And, and, and there's this perception that college football players are forced into playing. I just think that's, that's, that's just not true. If you look at the, if you look at the movement um, around, you know, the, we want to play hashtag that Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence were involved in when the season was maybe, you know, on the brink of being canceled. I mean, these guys want to play. I mean, to, 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 to kind of delude yourself into thinking that they're being, you know, forced to do this. I mean, sure, um, it's a big reason why they're at these schools, but, but the large majority of college football players want to play games. And I'm glad that they, most of them uh, were able to play at least some games this fall. I and mean, that's, that's not a bad thing. I'm not going to convince myself that that's morally wrong to think that that's a good thing. The memory of this season will be more than just Alabama winning a national championship. It was a season of unprecedented challenges, played while the world faced unprecedented challenges. How we think about this season will be very different than how we think about most seasons. But I was curious if there was any memory of this season Adam was drawn to. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, all of it's sort of related. I mean, my favorite individual or team story of the year was it was certainly COVID related, but but it was a great story. Um, it was San Jose State. You know, San Jose. I grew up in the Bay Area, and you know, out there, it's really Cal and Stanford. Nobody really cares about San Jose State, but um, San Jose State, uh, you know, puts together this historic season where they go seven and zero. They win their first Mountain West title, and you know, few teams had to deal with some of the COVID you know, issues like they did, not that they had it in their team, but they had to, uh, because of the local restrictions in Santa Clara County, there were two waves of it. There was one before the year that basically prevented San Jose State from practicing on campus. So they had, took their whole uh, football team organization up to Humboldt State, uh, which is, you know, 300 miles away just to go through preseason practice. So there was that story. And then, um, and then midway through the season, they, they couldn't, they could no longer play games uh, in San Jose. So they, they spent like the last month of the year on the road. They were in Hawaii for a home game that was moved to Hawaii. And then they were in Las Vegas playing home games in Vegas, plus the league title game in Vegas. Um, and they were playing at UNLV's old stadium, which New Mexico was also using as its home stadium because it couldn't play. So it was just like a very like 2020 story, but I just loved you know, just how the, you know, this, this team was able to um, kind of get through it and, and have a historic season amid all those challenges. So there's a lot of stories like that, that I'll certainly remember. I mean, Alabama was, was, a, was, a you know, obviously a great story, historic offense. Um, I'll remember the, 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 just the struggle Ohio state just had to get to the national championship game, but obviously they had the big win over Clemson. So, um, but it was just the, the weeks, every week, the angst over, you know, would this game be played and, and what, you know, the testing coming back on Friday and, or Saturday morning in some cases and, and games being canceled at the last minute. I mean, it just was a very stressful season. Thanks for listening to the Radio DePaul Sports Podcast. Be sure to check out our other podcasts on this feed and our live programming at www.radiodepaulsports.com. I've been your host, Charlie Mendes. I'll see you next time. Thank you.